Hello and welcome to the 28th episode of A Plus Anime. I am your teacher, Nathan J. Ian's still off with his beautiful, beautiful life, living the le- le- leading the student life in Japan. But today, I have a beautiful special guest with me, another... Another one from the friends and family of the internet coming in to, to talk about one of their great anime that they love. Mr. Chase Williams, how are you, bud? Yo, dude, how's it going? I'm fantastic. I'm both a little bummed that Ian can't be here because Ian's a cool dude, and I also feel honored to be filling the shoes of such a gargantuan anime brain. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I was a bit a little a bummed as well because I, I, I think you brought it up as well. Like, I... Because we're going to be talking about Akira, if you didn't know that already, mm-hmm. anyone listening. And I did want to talk about a few how ways Japanese people and culture interacted yeah. with this kind of... Because we know how it kind of affected Western culture. And like, right. even though Ian is a Western boy, but he's now living in Japan, so and he has a Japanese uh, girlfriend, so he could have... he's could have given us a different side and perspective of how this affected their culture because I'd I'd say it's still reckoned to be like the greatest nearly anime of all time and nearly one of the best sci-fis of all time so yeah I'm sure we'll get into it his perspective will be missed but uh you know send my hellos to Ian yes uh on this show we take the top rated anime and test them out to see if they get an a plus or an f and try to learn a bit in the process on today's episode as we discussed episode 28 we'll be discussing akira if you want to follow along at home make sure you listen to the before spoiler section we'll be giving the next section of what anime we will be reviewing next week and then also we'll re-remind you after the spoiler section as well if you listen through to the spoiler section of what we're going to be listening we are on our tournament arc people where we bring in, as I said, my close, our closest friends and family to either talk <laughs> about their new anime, their old anime, or just something that's just inspired them through their life of why, why they like anime. And at the end, me and Ian will discuss of why we, of all these anime, which ones we like, which we don't like, which is the greats, which are the worsts. So this is our tournament arc and chase. What's up? So we'll get into it. Where, where, do, where did the internet maybe know you from? Okay, where where yeah. can they find you? Where can they see you? What have you done? What do you do? I usually just hang around and make snarky comments on Twitter like most people do. Um, my handle's Apodacious Chase. And I work in the video game industry, and I like to write. And that's basically it, man. Other than that, I'm just, I don't know, romping around San Diego and trying to, trying to stay busy. So you're a West Coast boy at the moment. At the moment. Newly West Coast. Yeah. Are you liking the West Coast? Yeah, dude. I mean, the city is like amazing. There are yeah. it's it's a little bit bigger than Austin, which is where I came from. Uh, so there's more neighborhoods to explore, and in each little neighborhood is basically like a day's worth of of stuff to do. And um, you know, I'm someone who like I'll wake up early in the morning, hop on my bike, and just try to spend all day going around and 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 kind of relaxing. And this city's been perfect for it. Can I just say I'm like you weren't born in the exact town that I'm going to be jealous of, but you uh-huh. were very close to this town that I would love to visit, which is Houston, because I'm a oh, I was super. Born in oh, you were born there. Oh, I was there you go. So like I'm a super like space nerd. Like yeah, that's that's my whole life. So man, I just can't wait to go to Houston one day well, and like let see me, all that kind of stuff. Let me plug a little something real quick. Then uh, a web episode of Witty Banter. I think like around. Th- 
50 or 30 episodes ago, we went to NASA and interviewed a friend of ours who works on life support for the International Space Station. So we've got Damn. a we've got an interview with that guy if you're if you're looking for if you want to see that. I might have to go back and look at that because that that I haven't done any of the South in America yet. I've mm-hmm. done most of the West Coast. I d- only went as low as LA. I didn't go down to San Diego yet. I need right. to go check that out. I've done most of the East Coast as well, and then a lot of the north part of America as well. So I need to do the south. I need to do like the the deep south and yep. then also come over to like the Texases and all those kind of stuff and yeah, check all be, that out next well. next trip to America. All right. Well, Chase, we're on an anime podcast. So yep. the que- the question is what got you into anime? Like where did it start? Is it a recent thing? Is it an old thing? Is it like is it still going or are you on a hiatus order at the moment? Yeah, for me, it's definitely an old thing, which is honestly kind of interesting. Like my two friends, my two of my best buds, uh, Hunter and Max, they're super into anime. And in fact, they're trying to write a script for their own um, just for fun. And I've kind of fallen off watching anime. I don't really watch it anymore. And I think there's been such a resurgence of it that there's so much around me now um, that it's hard to even figure out where I'd want to jump in. And yeah. so I grew up, the first anime I was exposed to was Dragon Ball Z, I think, like most people. Yep. I literally came home one day uh, as a second grade school child, and it was playing on the television. I sat down and didn't get up for like five hours, and then next thing you know, I own every episode, and they're you know right behind me on the shelf, right? Yeah. And um, so Dragon Ball Z, I think I share, like, that's probably something I have in common with most people who are listening to this show or who are into anime. One of the first I ever watched. Um, and then outside of that, like, I would sort of watch what my friends were into. I watched a little bit of Trigun when I was younger, and I would kind of stick around for what was on Toonami. But yeah, I was literally about to ask that. Did you get deep into the Toonamis like most Americans did? Yeah, Toonami was a major influence uh, in in sort of introducing me to to what anime is and sort of how I understand it. But as I got older, one, I just I never really I've never been drawn to TV shows in general. Like I just don't watch. Uh, I don't have cable, and even on, like, Netflix and stuff, I just don't really watch television shows because I just think they take a whole lot of time, and it's just not really for me. Uh, And so anime kind of falls victim to that as well. But when it comes to movies, uh, animated movies, uh, they're much easier to digest, which is why, you know, Akira is a movie that I I watched for the first time last year, actually, and I've seen it about four times since, and I watched it again last night, of course, before this show. Oh, wow, so you only watch it, so this is only a recent thing for you. Yeah. I thought, like, I thought this was, like, something maybe, like, you stumbled across when you were young. Oh, wow, so you, because I think it was, yeah, last week's episode, Andrew Taylor was on, and he watched it literally in June when we were all in San Fran, when one night him and his missus watched it, and he was blown away as well of how... Well, it's aged, yeah, which totally. is like really a hard thing to say, especially about 80s things. Like the the comedy side of a lot of stuff has aged well, but a lot of sci-fi and stuff like that from the 80s has not really aged that well. So it's great to see something like this has, that has aged. And a lot of new people like yourself and Andrew yeah. have been able to watch it and absolutely adore Right. Yeah. I mean, so ultimately, like, I think Akira um, is, is, and we're going to get into it, like, it's it's so highly regarded, and I think it earns all of its praise, and it goes so, there's so much more to say about it beyond it just being a Japanese animated cartoon, you know? Yeah. Um, 
is there anything recently though that has like I know you said you haven't watched any, but the, is there anything that's kind of like maybe tickled yeah. uh, your intrigue? Maybe that you might want to. I watched check Cowboy out Bebop recently? for the first time, man. I just finished Cowboy <sighs> Bebop like a few weeks ago. Yes. So I'm one kind of probably on one like of a, my favorites. Yeah, of I'm what, on like, like all time. I'm on a tour of the the most highly regarded anime right now. I guess you would yeah. say. Um, yeah, Cowboy Bebop was fucking fantastic, and it also earns all the praise that it's given. Like. I'm uh, I'm somebody when like when it comes to video games and movies and a lot of visual experiences, I don't really focus too much on plot. Like one, I don't follow plot very well, and two, it's just not what I'm interested in. And okay. Cowboy Bebop uh, supplies like such a heavy dosage of art direction, um, musical style, and like even cinematography. That's just impressive. That that show top to bottom is just dense with quality, um, and so. I was super happy to finally see that yeah. show and, and kind of understand where the reverence comes. Did you did you consume that very quickly? Was that like a binge watch thing? Because I think it was last episode, the episode before. It's this new thing that I'm kind of like getting into now because I've, I've had to rewatch a lot of anime in like short amount of time where a lot of... Uh, it's it's even like affecting live action stuff where a lot of stuff was written to not be binge watched. They were mm-hmm. written to be watched week by week. So you have that time to digest that episode, right. think about how you feel about it and then kind of get fresh by the time you watch the next episode. And like consumers now are watching a lot of binge watching a lot of stuff. Well, things that you wouldn't usually get annoyed about, like a character that has an arc, you, you wouldn't normally get annoyed at that because you have time to process that arc because you've been watching it week by week but now you watch it all in that one day and now you're just like oh I didn't really like that character and I I've fell into the trap of like a lot of anime that I've watched recently that I've binge watched a lot of characters in there that I've hated them and people are like wait what yeah like oh I I like that character and I'm like oh man he was the worst because like I had to deal with him being this like mopey depressive thing for like four episodes like four hours straight because I like binge watched it rather than watching it week by week and yeah it's like this weird thing that like so that's why I was gonna ask did you binge watch Cowboy Bebop so I would I would only watch one to three episodes per night yeah and then it honestly probably it took me about two and a half months to get through all 24 it's something that I would just if, if time permitted I would put it on and I'd either watch one episode before bed or a couple episodes before bed um, and you know, Cowboy Bebop is interesting because, and I was honestly surprised at this when I first started, I was expecting it to be like a very long arc, you know, across yeah. all of the episodes. No, they usually like one episode is its own real story. It's one like and the done, only, man. yeah, the one, the only kind of overarching plot is like him and his rival and the, and the chick, but that's connects the three together. Yeah. And exactly. that's really the only overarching plot. And kind of to speak to your point about how people are used to consuming um, TV and media nowadays, I think we are used to, we expect that overarching plot because we yes. are used to a Netflix model where they can be binged and you expect you expect one episode to always build on the other. And yes. uh, it was honestly a little refreshing to not, to have those expectations thwarted because uh, I think it allows you to, like when it's one episode after the other, it, you have to really. It takes more effort to maintain the plot in your own head and, and kind of think about it over this like six hour, twelve hour period. Um, whereas with Cowboy Bebop, with a show that's more of just like Monster of the Week, you can really ruminate more on like the theme of the show yeah. 
and the style of the show rather than just the plot of the show. And like I said before, like I'm not really someone who's super concerned with plot. Yeah, because like I've, I don't think I ha- like I watched it back in the day, and every time I have watched it, I've kind of watched it the same way you, like one or two episodes. It's the only thing I haven't binge watched yet. So like, I even even if I probably did binge watch it, I probably have this bias already of how much I love it that I would never be able to kind of gauge whether it is something. And I I just I don't think it is though because it's ve- it's slow but slow in a good way, mm-hmm. and I. And I feel like if you watched six, seven, eight episodes in a row, you'd be like, like that was a slug. Yeah, because so. it always kind of starts and ends the same way. So you would you would be doubling up on that repetition because you'd be yep. pinning them right next to each other. And it would it would almost be like something you'd want to skip each time. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've just I guess to, to sum up my, my thoughts, I've just never been really into the pressure of the rat race to like always need to be moving on to the next thing. Like I'm perfectly content to come to something late and enjoy it at my own pace. You know, God, I wish I could be like that. Like, I just want to, <laughs> like, I just want to consume everything. So like, I have to buy into that. Like I need to, like most anime now, as I said, I'm binge watching a whole season in like one or two nights because wow. I, I feel like if I don't watch it, I'm never going to get around to watching it. And then mm-hmm. I'll, I'm left behind and I'm not going to be part of the conversation. Yeah. So but I'm just man, like, like, sometimes you got to ask yourself, is that conversation even worth having? Cause that's what I see. Yeah. But that's what I well, see that's most the thing, about though. the rat race is, is like, yeah, I see I people even like nowadays, right? I don't know when this is going up, but when we're recording, people are, are gearing up for their, like their game of the year discussions. And you see all these yep. people buying all these video games and then just playing them yes. for like an hour just so they feel justified to say like, 10 sentences about it on a podcast like who gives a i shit? know and i'm part of that i but it was also because the steam sales were this week oh, as yeah, well yeah. so They're it's even nice. the worst they knew they, they like they purposely did these streams because they even said like these are the game of year candidates yep. of the year here's some sales on them and you're like son of a bitch you know, now i have because i i what did i buy i bought I bought Nier, so I've got, I've I've only played a little bit of Nier on somebody else's mm-hmm. PlayStation, and I I did actually genuinely like it, so I did want to finish it, and right. I rebought Hellblade as well because I borrowed that as well, but I nice. really want to sit and play that again because that's probably going to be in my top five nearly for the year. Cool Hellblade because. Man, when people come at me with Horizon has a good story, I'm like, man, you did not play Hellblade then mm-hmm. because that is that that it's not. Like, I know this is not video games podcast, but I just want to say, like, Horizon has a good story, but it's cookie cutter and it's samesy and mm-hmm. it's not pushing the genre. Of, it's not pushing video games forward. And like, as I mentioned earlier, like, I like space and all that because I want future. Like, yeah. I always want p- things to advance. I don't want anything to be stagnant. I hate stagnant stuff. Nice. And that's why I will pick, I'll pick Breath of the Wild over Horizon because it, it, uh, it pushed the genre up. Like so, that's what I mean. I can so do that. yeah, I can't even remember how I got on this tangent, but yeah, that's anyway, that's what I mean. I hate Horizon's <laughs> not going to be on my top ten. You just wait, everybody. All right, so we'll get into the we'll get into the meat meat and gravy then. So Akira. So I'll I'll ask you as the guest first. Like what 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 media movies TV shows would like people have seen that they might 
really want to go watch Akira if they liked these kind of things. Yeah, like I've got two, but I'll let you. I'll let you go first with sure. your. I think it's a pretty easy answer because of how prolific uh, Akira's influence is, not only in anime but also just in media and um, sci-fi, the sci-fi and genre itself. Like it is. Yep. It is the proprietor of a lot of uh, sci-fi. Um, concepts and sort of and tropes nearly tropes in general exactly just accepted uh stereotypes and like archetypes so if you if you like the matrix you'll probably like this oh yeah i didn't even think about that one yeah that's a good one if you liked uh blade runner you'll probably like this movie um if you're like a fan of sci-fi books like neuromancer or maybe you're into like ghost in the shell you're definitely gonna like this movie Anything with like a very strong cyberpunk or sci-fi tinge, you are going to either connect with it quickly or be or even recognize maybe where some of the things you liked came from. Yeah. Well, like, I don't think it's the first to do it. Like, I'm pretty sure maybe Gundam or something did the, the Neo-Tokyo, that idea of this Neo-Enter-A-City uh, name. Like, yep. I think this is one of the one. this is the movie that, like, cemented that idea of, like, a Neo-Tokyo. Yeah, I mean, and, I think Gundam honestly paved the way for Akira to get the budget yeah. that it did get. Like, it, they, I think that was all a part of the same movement, and, and Gundam definitely came first and deserves a lot of the credit for introducing some of these motifs. Um, yes. I think Akira, Akira is also the one that built on it and almost like fully realized it, you know? Yeah. Like that. Yeah. The new, new world, like a new Neo New York, Neo this, Neo that. Like, I think it's the idea that it's cemented in and like, we cannot talk about like stereotypes if we're not even going to like the, the bike scene, the one scene that like a million people have probably seen it in a million different media and would never know that it's from Akira. Just the one where he slides the bike out and it slides across the ground and he like grinds it across. Like I, yeah, I I had to pull up an article. Where is it? There we go. It's iconic. It is an iconic scene. So, all right, we got Batman. I got Teenage Ninja Turtles, Clone Wars, the anime. Uh, what else we got? Yeah, uh, no, a- don't know these ones. Adventure Time. Yeah. Adventure Time copied it. Like there's this generation of like 10 to eight year old kids that are watching Adventure Time. And when Jake slides out on, mm. what do you call it? Um, yeah, that's like from Akira. So like, oh man, it's just, it's inspired. Oh, like a I lot love this. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's why it's an amazing thing that you've seen it most recently. Like, did you when like watching through it? Did were there any scenes? No, I'm going to do it here. You know what? Yeah, this is not spoilery. It's it's half spoilery. But were there any things you just saw and you were like, oh, didn't realize that was from here? Um, you know, a lot of just or just even of- a style. I think it was more stylistically like, um, you know, yeah. I'm used to Dragon Ball Z when people power up and like the ground will sort of crush b- beneath them and like pieces of rock and rubble begin to rise and hair begins rise, to rise yeah. up and like, you know, their cloaks are flapping and all that. That's all here in Akira as well. Um, of course, mm-hmm. the motorcycle uh, nod that you just mentioned, I, I noticed as well, but you're just going to be, it's going to feel very familiar to you if you're an anime fan, but you have to recognize yeah. that it's not familiar because it's copying. It's familiar because it originated, you know? Yes. All right, so I'll get on to the two movies that I kind of would, like, apart from the psychic, like, I can't think of anything that's really, like, how the psychic version of this movie kind of relates to. Mm -hmm. There's, like, nothing really that's done it the same way that they have. The movie Chronicle Chronicle. is very... Actually, Chronicle... Yeah, the Chronicle has, I think, a lot of influence from Akira as just, like, a boy who discovers psychic powers and then ramps up to being, like, an evil showdown. 
Yeah, I, I would put it as like, yeah, Blade. You mentioned it before, Blade Runner cross with the Warriors. Okay, like that's yeah. how I Warriors is good. Yes, yeah, the Warriors. Like that's like their crew of like this like rebellious people in this like. No, I wouldn't say dystopian, but nearly oh. dystopian kind yeah. of future. I think it's dystopian. And yeah, and just gangs. Yeah, there's just this one gang against the world. And then on top of that, it's just like this neo sci-fi universe that's just so beautiful. Like, yep. I, I, that's what I told Ian. Like, the first, when I went to Japan, that's how I imagined how Akihabara would be. Right. Like, from Blade Runner and from Akira. And God, was I, like, not wrong. Like, that... <laughs> Akihabara is so good. I can't wait to go back there again. Because, hey, like, going, it I'm literally looks like... Oh, man, I'm so jealous. God. I'm All right. Back. So we'll get we'll get into some actual talking about it. So we'll get into it. So we'll start our non-spoilery thoughts. Sure. Like, how, how does how does the, the music, the animation, just the... Like, I know you're not a big plot guy. You just said... You've mm-hmm. mentioned it a few times. But how, how does... We'll start with that. How does the plot... Like. So the plot is interesting because it's not very coherent, um, especially towards the end. It really, and I don't want to use the word falls apart, but it just kind of splinters. And yeah, and I don't say it gets that a bit it, too deep for itself a little bit. Yeah, it, it just, and I think it does this purposefully. Um, yeah, it, it kind of goes out in a, in a way that is resistant to interpretation. Like one, it's very hard to sort of make sense in a coherent way what has happened because you're just not given enough information to do that. And anytime you sort of try to come to like a fixed meaning of what you saw, it essentially ends up being no more correct than somebody else's interpretation because of how, because of how open the text is. Right. And that's cool with me. Like, I don't, I don't mind that. I like, I like stuff that's, I I love that. That, That's, that's one of those, it's similar to like a few other things. Like it's not the same kind of thing, but how like in the end of its inception, yeah, like where Maybe. everyone has their own opinion and that's kind of a good thing with media. Like that's like nearly the origin of art. Like you look at a piece of art and your interpretation is no less wrong than somebody else's interpretation of that art. Yeah. Like even the art, the original artist himself could have painted that thing blue because he felt the melancholy of the blue but you look at it and you're like, oh, no, I feel the oceans of the sea reflect on the painting. And then somebody else is like, no, I see I see the sky and the openness of something like that. Like, Yeah, and, and what God. you're touching on is honestly narrative play. You know, like you and I are yeah. video game fans and we, and we talk about gameplay and how there's the idea that no game designer can ever guarantee that their player is going to play a game the way that they want them to. A good yeah. story is the same way in the sense that no no author can guarantee that a, a single piece of work will mean the same to everybody either because there are opportunities for the mind to play inside of the inside of each story beat essentially and come up with their own conclusions um and so i do agree that mark like great works of art are things that are um just they're more about the experience than they are about the meaning and i think that's yeah. what happens with akira is that this isn't a film to like watch, quickly summarize your thoughts, say, oh, this is what the movie was about and move on. It's more about watching the movie and experiencing the movie, the movie and then having that discussion afterwards about, hey, what did you think about this or what did you think about that, you know? Yeah. The, yeah, the deep meaning of like why this went, swerved this way when it could have swerved that way or wh- why, why did it stop here and not go here? And oh, man, yeah, it's yeah. just great. 
And so, like, we oh. may not be able to come to a single fixed meaning in terms of like the plot, but that honest that opens up uh, that opens up the conversation to instead having like a fixed understanding of bigger things like theme and like concept and motif and stuff like that, which I always find to be a, a little more um, satisfying of a of a conversation. Yeah. What about visuals? How how like Dude. especially because this thing is from this was out the year I was born. Wow, like that's yeah. how long. Uh, yeah, I'm 29, about to be 30, and that's how long this movie came out. And right. it, it it could you could easily release it now, and it you could easily and you could slip it past people easily right now, and oh, people easily, wouldn't yeah. even notice it's come out here. So the visuals, I think, are arguably its greatest strength. It has several strengths, and they're all yeah. amazing. But I think the visuals have to be marked up as the greatest. And, you know, I was doing a little bit of research on it. Um, and this was, like I said, this was coming out in a time where anime was sort of coming into its own in Japan through works like uh, Gundam. And it was the first time that they gave a massive budget to a director that wasn't like Miyazaki, right? This is a $1 billion uh, yen production, which was a massive fucking budget. And they gave yeah. the directing rights to the guy who wrote the, the manga, which is, which is a recipe for success. And they gave him a lot of creative control. Freedom. Yeah, yeah. over, over, the, over the, the movie. And so what you have is you've got the amount of money that would usually be spent on like a single episode going into like a single scene. And when you're watching this, the entire thing is still 2D animated. And it is just like almost painstakingly detailed. Like I know they. God, I I was because I've been watching like like My Hero Academia is one that I've been watching recently. That's like people are like putting that as the new pinnacle of like action anime and all that. And man, I'm watching scenes in Akira, and I'm like, yeah. this is even more beautiful than that. Like oh, how totally. just even even somebody walking, and I'm like, it's so fluid yes. and. God, it's like watching water go down a stream. Yeah, it's just dude, so I'm, beautifully I'm, done. I'm happy you mentioned the fluidity because when we talk about the impressiveness of the visuals, like there's a few, I think, a, a few key things to hit on. Is and one is the fluidity of the animation. And I don't know yeah. if that is because they like quite literally drew more frames into the animation, yeah, or if they were just so talented that it looks so fluid. But there is just a a um, a smooth a smoothness to all of the movement, whether it's in like a high speed chase scene or just like a walk animation, like you're talking about yeah. that at first glance, you may not notice it because it looks so natural, but you need to recognize and compare it to like what is sort of out there and, and realize yes. just how detailed and good it is. Cause re cause recently like pretty much, any anime these day now are all done digitally. Like even, even though it's still 2d drawn, it's digitally animated because you just, it, a, the money it would cost Cheaper. to still to keep, still do it. Like, no, you know, you, they'd go broke easily. Yeah. Like any company would go broke if they still hand drew every animation that they did back in the day. And also the time, like people just haven't got the time to do that anymore. So it's something that's like very sad that it's just died out now. Well, but it's very, but it's similar to like something like Cuphead recently yeah. where those guys did, hand animate everything in that thing and it's blown up like more than like it's still an amazing game everything's great about it but it's just because that extra touch of like yes. it doesn't look like anything else coming out at this time it looks so beautiful and that's like what akira is watching it now because you're like we will never get this kind of art and fluidity in a scene anymore because you just can't it's just not 
it's not economically viable feasible. anymore. Yeah, and, yeah, and I think that's can't. something that the audience should take away from listening to this episode as well is that even though it is older and it got like and like we said, it, it its attention to detail is almost like Sisyphusian. Like, it's just straight up. It's like, it almost is painful to look at. It's so detailed. They're yeah. at, like, that movie didn't make... it. I, like, what I was reading is it, it's... Over its lifespan, it's grossed a lot of money. It's made its money back. But it initially, when yeah. it came out, it didn't, like, blow the box office up. And no. it honestly put a... As I understood when I was researching, like, a little bit of a cooling... Um, effect on anime for a little while. And there was like yes. a slump after Akira because it was like, well, we kind of doubled down with this. It didn't blow up the way we wanted. And now we're afraid to do it again. Yeah. And we it, made a mark. Like well, they, we made a masterpiece and people didn't receive it. Exactly. So like anything else we make after it's not going to look good. So how is that going to make money? And so, and what people need to keep in mind with that is we almost have really never had a work like Akira since, like even though it is no. older and there are certainly like amazing anime that have come out uh, since it's yes. been out, you know, like. But th- they they are all like, they're Disney anime, like the your um oh what's it called? Jesus, this is a worse time to have a mental Ghibli? blank. Uh, Studio the, Ghibli. Yeah, Studio Ghibli. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're yeah like they're little they're they're amazing powerful. films, but they're not like they you can watch them as an adult. They're still, but they are, they are directed towards a younger audience, while Akira. That you never show that to a younger kid exactly. whatsoever. So there, the, and there was things like Ninja Scroll and all those kind of old movie anime movies, and yeah, they just they really did die off a, a lot around that time around Akira. And yeah, it's, I'm it's, sad about so that. So that's all. That all is to say that Akira is like this monolith of achievement in anime. And even though it's older, you would think that maybe one, it didn't, it's aged to such a degree that it's not good anymore because what we have is better. That's, I don't think that's the case. And two, we've never gone back to that just hand-drawn, fully hand-drawn aesthetic. And so it, it's, even though it's old, it still stands as like an achievement, you know? The, yeah, the one thing I do, like, it's not spoilers whatsoever, but the one thing that always sticks in my mind, like rewatching it now, the light as like Incredible. the bikes take off, God, that that's something you you would find hard to do in even a like a live action, yep. like to make that kind of effect, like it. And they did that in 1988, and it looks so good. Like the trail when they drive off that like light trail, it's like some Tron ass shit. And yep. God, I love it. Yeah, and like, like there, there's a sense of scale in the movie that I think is yep. also unparalleled. Like. The the view of Neo Tokyo's skyline and some of the shots when they're like coming out of bridges and tunnels are so large that and it conveys that sense of size to you and there's so much visual information on the screen. How much they would have had to draw for it's those preposterous, scenes, preposterous, dude. And yeah, you would think that maybe that doesn't add anything to the movie other than being able to say this is so like being detailed wasn't the end in and of itself. They didn't, they didn't uh, decide to be detailed just to say that they were detailed. What it ends up doing is it draws you into the world even more because no matter where your eyes are, they have something to look at and it makes the place feel more complete, more whole. And even though like there's these insane cityscapes that are like 
just you've never seen so many windows and lights in your life. Even in like intimate spaces like the bar, when they're in like closed areas, there's also a preposterous amount of detail there too. And it in that way There was a there was a doors poster. Like a door the band the yeah. doors poster above the, the cabinet he was right. playing. Like I noticed that. I was like Wow, they just like they drew, and it's the perfect representation, like perfect replica of the the seat, the album cover mm-hmm. itself, and it's like to detail that album cover, and it was oh my god, and just even on the bike itself, the little like logos, they oh, yeah. had, like the BMW logo, and oh man, they just go into so much detail, and watching it now that I've watched it so many times, like I can pay less attention to what's going on in the scene and be able to like yeah. B- peruse the rest of the scene and see these tiny little things that like added to your mind that you didn't know were in. It's like having a beautiful cake and they put like ingredients in it that you would never know were in there. But like your mouth for some reason was like, Oh, that was so much more delicious than the last chocolate cake I had. Like, what was in there? And you like, you didn't notice there were like little nuts or <laughs> just a little, little oh too, man. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's all those things that make it delicious. That's so that's the visual style. I mean, it, it, I don't think it can be beat there. The animation is fluid. The scale is immense and the detail is unparalleled, you know? Yeah. All right. So we'll get on to get onto sound. This is usually Ian's kind of background, uh, like thing. Cause he is a, just amazing as picking up sound, he is but like there's the few things that I picked up is the time when it doesn't have sound. Oh yeah, and it's like it's it, very it, quiet a lot of times. It just go it just goes dead quiet and it just makes those scenes more like nearly dread. Yep. But also like you just like you want to lean in cuz it's like real quiet. Yeah. So you're like what's about to happen? And it's like oh my god. And it it almost helps build in like a sense of anxiety that I think is slowly building throughout the film too. And what yep. was interesting, I was doing some research when the uh, soundtrack was written it was before the script was even finished and oh. they only had like an hour's worth of music or like they only had enough music to cover about half of the movie. So a lot of the music is actually reused or there's, and that's also another reason why there are more silent areas. Um, mm. But I actually like the music ends up being so good that you never really recognize that it's being repeated. Right. And yeah. there is like, you know, we've talked about the iconic, scenes in the movie from like with the motorbike we've talked about just how monolithic the animation is and then we also now have to talk about how fucking iconic the soundtrack is man because it is weird it's a weird soundtrack it's unlike anything i've ever heard there's a lot of like duh like people like singing like choral and like a lot of vocal harmonies and it creates something that's super playful but also like very foreboding which is like yeah, similar to like how they use like the big orchestras they use in certain like old school like older movies like your Star Wars and all those kind of things where they have like it's like dum yeah. da 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 and it's like it just gives that like majestic like no majestic um just like extravagant sure is like extravaganza kind of like feel to it but like back on the, the I kind of. The silent part, you know, you know what it reminds me of when, when people do space, right. Mm-hmm. When, cause like, you know how when people put noise in space yeah. and you're like, no, that you can't have noise in space. There's nothing for, nothing to vibrate for sound to be produced. So outside of a spaceship, completely silent. So like, I feel like and it gives it more like that. that of, uh, they have yeah, a space like, scene where it's silent and it's fucking awesome. Yes. 
Exactly. And it gives it more that like feel like that artificial, like nearly space feel where like, even though sci-fi doesn't have to be set in space or the future and mm-hmm. stuff, like that, it still gives it that feel of like when it just goes completely silent, like especially it's not spoilers. It's the start scene where mm-hmm. you see the bo- the initial bomb go off before World War Three oh, yeah, happens, yeah. and it just goes completely silent after it, which is like exactly what would happen after something like that. Like, there's nothing alive anymore. It's all dead. It's all silent. And God, yeah, I, I mean, love it. And, and it creates like a certain intimacy in the in the scenes where it is quiet too, because like they're out in these old abandoned areas of the city and it would be dead quiet there. And it's cool that it just only they are sort of existing in that moment, you know? Hmm. But yeah, I mean, I guess just to finish up my thoughts on the music, it is iconic because of how different it is. Like there's a feeling of grandiose, like you're talking about that parallels some of the, um, like the escalation that's happening in these scenes, but it just does it in ways that I am not used to. I've never really heard before. And then there's even like just really fun and like fluttering parts of the music. Like when they're all doing like their bike scene chases and there's, there's like action sequences where you get these like really cool, almost like xylophone, uh, like paradiddles and stuff going around. And it's just, there's some, there's something that is uplifting, but also like anxious and foreboding about everything that they're doing in the soundtrack. And it all feeds into the thematics of the movie itself, you know? Especially in that third arc, like when when shit's getting real is like the easiest way to explain that. Like, man, it just it just changes its tone completely because like you as the viewer are also like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) (laughs) And like, yeah, the sound and music matches that completely. But the one thing like I did notice this time, the chimes, anything, something to do with Akira kind of comes up. Like, yeah, it's like a signifier. of like it's either like the scene is reacting to something Akira wise or whether like just that telekinetic connection between um Tetsuo and Akira kind of happens where that's like yep. and it's like nearly that sound they do in war movies is kind of the best way to explain it that like the ring after a grenade or something or an explosion goes off mm-hmm. where it's like the world goes silent apart from that ring and it's like it kind of symbolizes like the world is shutting off because he's completely linked to whatever's the, the connection with him and Akira is. And it's just like, Oh yeah. And it's just tingles in my fingers. It's just one of those, it may seem like a trivial detail, but when you look at the movie as a whole, it's so full of those trivial details that it allows the viewer to be constantly like one-to-one connected with what sort of the director is trying to communicate, you know? Yeah. God, it's good. All right. I, th- I don't think we can go any further without, like, spoiling it. So, like, sure. do we want to leave this spo- non-spoilery section behind here? Um, Have you got any last things you want to say? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think we basically covered everything in terms of uh, what to, like, why this movie earns the reputation that it has, you know? I mean, yeah. that's, that's kind of where I think we, 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 I would leave it. I, I, would, I would also say, like, it's, it's one of those things of, like, everyone will build it up for you. So... It's going to be good, but don't go in with like prerequisites of why it's going to be good in your mind. Like just go in and watch this and then come out the other side. Cause like you, the way people talk about this movie, it does earn it, but it also will start to twist it in your mind of what you think it's going to be. So just, I always caution people when something is of this high standard, a, you can dislike it. Yep. 
at the end. You you might come out the end of not like it and B, try to not build yeah, like a prerequisite of why why a, a sci-fi film in your mind would be good, so it might not go that direction in your mind and you dislike it for that reason. So just just caution yourself going into this. Try and clear your thoughts and just sit there in the moment and experience this just goddamn great-ass yeah. movie. It's totally fair. God. It's totally fair to temper your expectations, but I think yeah. anyone should go in looking uh, to appreciate the movie. You can, I think yeah. even if you don't like it, uh, I think there is there is appreciation to be had there. Yeah, there's no there's no way you could come out at the end like you can come out saying I didn't enjoy myself, but you can definitely see the things we've discussed in this section yes. of like how much just painstaking effort has gone into this movie. Totally, and why God let people love it. All right, um, we'll have a little break here. We'll get a little ad or whatever. Hey. Ian wants to chuck in at this beautiful moment. <laughs> hey, we'll be back after. Oh, actually. Before we go on the break, I would like to say uh, next week we'll be doing... Ooh, let me look it up. Is it wrong to pick up girls in a dungeon? In a dungeon? Yes. God, it's a good anime. Man. Like, I, I went in because of the name and I came out the other side enjoying a great, great anime. I reckon so, you know the answer to that question now. God, it's so funny. <laughs> All right, we'll leave it here and we'll be, be back in a sec. Hey there, listener. Thank you so much for checking out A Plus Anime. If you like the show, there are more like it on OKBeast.com. You should check out the OKBeast podcast where Ian and Blessing talk video games and more. Also, check out the OKBeast YouTube channel for all the nerdy content that your heart can possibly take. Thank you for listening. And we're back with our spoilery thoughts. We're going to go through some a couple of scenes that we really enjoy, maybe some key moments, maybe some character development that we couldn't really get onto without spoiling anything. So like, is there a, is there a character you really like resonate with or that just like shines for you? Is it, is it Tetsu himself? Is it a uh, Kieda and stuff like that? Or even just like, like Kai, K K or Kai? Yeah, I can never yeah. remember. Yeah. K like the activists or just, you know, like to be completely honest, not really. Like I didn't really yep. see or resonate with, with the characters on screen. I was more so just, intrigued and impressed with how the characters uh, develop through like their own actions. You know, like it's a, it's yeah. a pretty common uh, thing to strive for in any sort of visual media where you want to show and not tell. And I mm. think like almost like you learn so much about who Tetsuo is just by watching him act on the screen, like by watching the, the things that he does, the decisions that he chooses to make, you know, like the first thing he does when he, gets sort of like a taste of his power and, and escapes from the hospital is to go steal Kaneda's bike, you know? Yeah. And like it just says so much about who he is. And then all the, when Kaneda saves him for the first time and that, uh, when he, after he steals his bike, he's not appreciative at all. He's like, you know, fuck you. I didn't need your help. I'm sick of you always saving me. And yeah. through every scene and through all of Tetsuo's actions, you just continue to learn about who he is. You know, you're never just explicitly told that kind of stuff. And I, I fucking loved that, you know? Yeah, because I appreciate Because, like, I'm a pretty short... Like, I'm, I'm not, like... Not, not that similar to Tetsu, but, like, I'm a shorter guy. So there are, like, a lot of my friends that I've had through my life that I'm like, damn, I wish I was, like, bigger like you yeah, and man. stuff like I'll that. So, you, like... Uh, what am I like five, seven and a half? Okay, I you think? and I are the same exact size then. 
Yeah, I feel your pain. Yeah, I'm 100. I'm 171 centimeters. I don't. I'm pretty sure that's this half conversion into inches and gotcha stuff like that. So, um, yeah. So like I like I understand that struggle, but like I do love to see that in another character where they like want to be better than their he- like well nearly heroes or role models because like like. For Tetsu, like he is his role model and stuff like that. Like he he's always been saved by him. He's always been protected by him, and he doesn't want to be him. He kind of wants to be him and better. Yeah, so like he him stealing him. the motorbike is like that symbolism of like, oh no, I can do what you do as well. Yeah, but I'm also better. Like I'm I'm gonna be better than you because see, I can do the things you can do as well, and then I'm gonna start doing more. And then and just, and when he starts developing these powers, there's, it's like, there's a cool oof. relationship too between Kaneda and Tetsuo that reminds me honestly a lot of like Moby Dick, in the sense that Tetsuo is the main character, like he's the protagonist yeah. of the of the movie, but you really experience Tetsuo through Kaneda, like and and, yeah. and I relate that to Moby Dick in the sense that. You go. You have the point of view of Ishmael, but the main character is Captain Ahab, and yeah. that's sort of what's happening here. And in the same, in oh yeah, I've never really seen that comparison, but that's a really good like because like I until you literally said it, then really thought like uh, Katia is like the main character, but it really is Tetsu kind of. Yeah, I mean Tetsu the is main the character. one that like he is the one that drives the entire plot forward. Like the movie is yeah. a reaction to him, you know. Yes. And in a lot of ways, Akira is the antagonist because, like, bringing Akira back is, like, you know, devastate, it would devastate the world. Um, yeah. So, and in the same way that it rings true for the point of views that we see things through Kaneda's, like, perspective, that's also kind of how Tetsuo's relationship is with Kaneda. Like, everything kind of goes back to him. He can't get away from him. And so it's kind of just mirrored in the plot itself as well, you know? Yeah. Um, so scenes, scene, one of my favorite scenes is the first time that Tetsu has his oh like mental God. breakdown about silence, dude. Holy shit. Fuck man. That like, scene is so powerful. just like, it like this, like it's literally straight after the bike scene, which is just another great scene in itself. And we can probably get onto that, but it's just like, it just goes silent and then the ground starts breaking apart and then it like flicks. You see like moments of a kid, like you find out later that it's like Akira and stuff like that. And just like the pieces of Akira itself, you've get flashes of. And, and then next minute he like keels over and it, like his guts open up over to the ground. But then you like flick back to reality for a second and you see there's nothing that really is happening. And he's like trying to shovel in his imaginary. Oh my God. God, that's such a great scene. Yeah, it's so visually striking, and you basically just out of nowhere. It's nearly horror. Yeah, oh like, no, it's it's, it's just, totally body horror. And like we didn't mention this at the top of the show, but like if you're into body horror, this is an, this movie is actually another like pivotal influence in the body horror genre. Um, yeah, but yeah, like nearly like in, it, uh, what's the guy that does the fly and stuff? Um, oh fuck, I don't know. Oh yeah, it's a famous name. Oh my god, we brought it up in the. Um, Parasite episode, so go back and check his name out, because I researched it then, because I only just thought about it, you just brought it up then, but yeah, oh man, um, Cronenberg. There you go. Cronenberg. Nice. Yes. Yeah, it's a Cronen, it's very Cronenberg-ish, yeah, like, it, especially the end. In that scene, like, you don't really, you don't recognize when reality has stopped and his, his hallucination has started, and then mm. by the time it ends is when you've realized that it's a hallucination, and like, Tetsuo is like, breaks out in sweat 
and the animation like perfectly conveys a feeling of like sickness in him. Like he looks like somebody who would be in like writhing pain that only would be possible if you had like something deeply wrong with you. You know what I mean? Even like a high, like, like intense sickness, like that, like that, like shaking sweats you get, like when you're in the peak of a fever or like a high fever. And Oh my God. It's just, And, and they just, they just draw it and animate it so well that you could, it like looks real. Yes. Like you really feel it. Totally, man. And like, God. I mean, that's, that seems fantastic. And if we want to continue on like the body horror and we go ahead and move towards the end of the movie when shit like really just goes off the deep end. Um, and you've just like, got- he starts first of like con- reconstructing his arm after it gets taken off. And then it just goes insane. Bonkers, it just, dude. Yeah, it just hits the pedal and doesn't stop until nearly the end of that movie. I mean, it's one of the most climactic scenes I think I've ever seen in a movie in that, like, when you're watching it, you're thinking to yourself, how the fuck did we get here? Like, what is happening right now? And by the time it's over, like, there's really no explanation for it. It's just the sense of, I just experienced something that is so purely imaginative that it could only come out of a mind of, like, a true visionary. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. Like an artist in general, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's brilliant, dude. Because, like, even the scenes where he's, like, he's realizing he's gone past the point and he needs help and he's just like, oh, and it's just like, it's so Cronenberg. Like, it really, like, I'm so glad we got down this path because it really is like that, like, when when in the fly when he's like help and stuff like that. Oh, my God, it's just very... God, I'd love to see which one came out first. Uh, I think the it's fly the original came out in 1986. The, okay, the re, yeah, the original fly came out first. Yeah, oh man. But I mean, that just goes to show God. that it, that was all a part of the the influence and in, like the the modern yeah. day tapestry when when that the movie was made. <sighs> so what scenes? Like what scenes really strike you? So like were they like really implant on your memories of this movie? I I really love um, when like the sort of the showdown begins in the. Um, the Olympic Stadium, and there's like a moment where Tetsuo, Tetsuo like slams into the ground, and it lifts the concrete up. And then in the yeah. in the back, like you're focused on Tetsuo, but in the background, you see the other side of that concrete begin to lift. And Kaneda is on that piece of concrete on his bike, and it like throws him yes. up into the air. And then he turns and like shoots that laser. It's just like a brilliant piece of action, dude. Yeah. God, can I even say just like it being in an Olympic stadium Uh as well is just such a beautiful, because like they set that up at the start where it's, I think it was, it's 2019, which is, God, that hurts that it's like two years away. All these, like we're starting to hit that point where a lot of our sci-fi movies, we're starting to hit the dates of when they were occurring and oh man, so two years away, and where the year Akira is, but it's just before the Olympics is about to be held in Japan itself. So like that's the Olympic Stadium, and like it's just that like the final showdown of humanity yep. is in an Olympic Stadium, like the the purest form of human competition. And I, I is even, is where they fight each other. I even read like just some thematic like ideas um, that apparently like another reason why it did sort of culminate in the destruction of the Olympic stadium is because it's sort of a metaphor for the rejection of some of like Westernization by Japan. And this is where I would have liked to have Ian on the show to maybe give us a little better of a Japanese perspective, because it's a perspective that you and I can never have, Don't have. you know, and yep. it's, it's a movie that is very much 
based on like the anxiety of the fallout of a nuclear bomb because they're the only nation in the world to have had that happen to them. And so you have a very mm. unique experience as a Japanese person watching this movie that you and I and everybody else will lack, you know? Mm. And I've read other pieces of um, that talked about sort of the themes of the movie and and they, they basically mentioned that like Tetsuo is supposed to be kind of a, uh, an allegory for post-war Japan in the sense that they, you know, they sort of rebuild and very quickly regain their power to such a degree, you know, and, and in the 80s, like, and even still to, to this day, like, the, the Japanese economy started booming the, thanks to, like, insane industrialization and, like, technology. And that, com- that comes through Tetsuo in his uh, synthetics, like, his, his synthesization with, um, like, all of the metal and all of the body horse we start to talk about. And then out of nowhere, he doesn't really know how to, like, grapple with that. And then it just spirals yeah. out of control to a point where they, like, lose control of it. And it culminates in the destruction of the stadium. And, like, I don't really have much more to say in terms of, like, analyzing that. And I, all I can really do is just bring it to the table and say that I think these are some of the themes that are being played with here, you know? Well, like, you can even see it in the other espers themselves, like, how, like, disfigured and the skin colouring and all that have, like, you said, like, it's a very representation of post, like, World War II nuclear bomb Japan of, like, a lot of people were messed up yeah, by the, like, the nuclear rea- radiation and stuff like that. So it is very similar to that, like, all these these espers is, like, their representation of all, like, the people that were, like, disfigured and ter- like it's, they still have it today where like kids are still born with deformities and right. stuff like that from just genes that have been permanently like cur- like cursed yeah, now by radiation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I love that that movie also has that sort of even greater layer that encapsulates everything that happened because you can, you can appreciate the movie on a moment to moment basis of just watching it. Uh, and it's, and it's also, we should we should also expect that when you have a visionary like that, like these things will probably have some sort of greater meaning outside of just the experience itself. But um, I don't know. It's awesome. So, yeah, that that was also one of my favorite scenes. And then another one I want to throw in there is just, uh, you know, there's there's a couple moments of brutality that I think are really yeah. powerful. And when Tetsuo finally like busts out of the hospital and there's like and a, the, the, the doctor comes up to like, oh, you, you can't be out of your cell. Yeah. And then just like it. Yeah, it just goes dark, but then you see like just limbs yeah. and blood, and oh he just my explodes god, yeah. them like just fucking yeah. in a snap, like it's nothing, just 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 brutality them. on its highest level. Like it's not even just like I killed, like I snapped your neck or killed you or something like they just, just yeah, eradicate like popped you. like a balloon. It, it helps, oh. and it really helps with that sense of scale and understanding like his power. Um, so yeah, I mean, those are some of my favorite scenes. I also loved the the whole like hallucination sequence when the espers were like fucking with him in his hotel, and yeah. like the bear, they're like crawling on his pillow, and the next thing you know, the bear is like like uh, forms in his room, and like the lighting changes, and he's like, "What?" And Tetsuo doesn't know what the fuck's going on. I loved all that. Oh man, uh, I I even like like I brought it up before where like. The start scene where you get introduced to most of the characters in that like bar, mm-hmm. 
Like, I love that yeah, scene. Yeah, man. Slice of life. And, like, there's also <sighs> a scene kind of like that when uh, Tetsuo's girlfriend is in the laundromat and there's, like, another uh, girl on the phone just talking about, like, talking with a friend. And, like, you know, this is Neo Tokyo is, like, somehow oddly, like, parentless. Like, every kid is just sort of there on their own. And you get, like, mm. a moment of just kind of looking in the dorm room for a second. And it it's nice, you know? Yeah. Oh, I know. It's just because that scene, he's just, he's that, that iconic red outfit he has on. He's in front of the jukebox. You'd see like a dirty, dinged dive bar. Yes. And it's like, yeah, like, as I said before, it has like the doors poster up on the wall that has a whole bunch of other stuff. And he's just like skimming through trying to find a track. And then like the there. buddy... Oh man, yeah, you just want to be you just want to be a fly on the wall yeah. or like a person at the bar just being like fuck yeah, I'm in this scene. Yeah, like, totally. oh man, cool like just I'm those here. those those are the scenes that you could literally see yourself sitting in and it wouldn't be that weird, but like and then yeah, you and then you flick to like the the end fights where it's just this insanity that you could never picture in your wildest fantasies totally. being real. But then, but then they have those, as you said, slice of life moments that bring you back in and you're like, oh no, I could see this happening yeah. and stuff like that. And it just, yeah. God, it just tricks your mind into accepting the, the next bit where it's going to throw something weird at you. And you're just like, what the hell's going on? But I'm like, oh man, but I, I could see myself in that dive bar. I can see you in that laundromat and God, yeah, man, we could go on forever, I but really I think, think I think, I think we should start trimming it off here. Yeah, Is man. there any last kind of things you want to... Yeah, I, I sprinkle on top. I mean, just to end it, like this this movie is prolific. I think even if you don't like it, you can take you can make an effort to appreciate it and um, try to try not to try not to get hung up on the plot so much. Like when you first watch it, say to yourself, I will try to follow what's happening in terms of a sequence of events. But if I don't understand, yeah. that's okay. And it's honestly the first time you view it. Um, try to just look for the animation and for the detail that we talked about. Look for the camera movements because that's something that doesn't happen in anime very often because of how much painstaking effort it takes to move a camera in a 2D space. And they do it God, all they, the they, time. There was one scene, the, the la last week's anime was the first time I realized there was a camera crawl, like crawl around a character. Mm -hmm. Like there was a character and the, the it started at their feet and kind of went up and like snake, the camera snaked around the character. And I was like, Damn, like it's I want to see more of that in anime. It was it was such a simple scene, but it like developed and like this whole movie is filled with those kind of scenes. And it's just god. All right, so we'll get we'll get on to the main part of this, the rating. So we have an we have an F to A+ plus, yep. and then we have the, the elusive S ranking where it's just like it's just it's perfect. It's that it's that 10 out of 10, yep. that 100 out of 100. And in the mind of like rating art where like you nothing can ever be perfect, but like this is as close as perfect as you could want something to be. Sure. So, so what, what would you, what kind of rating would you give this? So, uh, I have no problem, uh, giving out sort of 10 out of 10 scores. I'm going to give this the S ranking. And yep. the reason is, is yes, maybe the plot falls apart a bit in the end. And you could probably say that that is a, sh a shortcoming of the movie, I would honestly try to argue and say that it's okay. It, it, it honestly allows more uh, thematic posturing after the movie. But even outside of that, the reason why I give it an S ranking is because the way that the film is structured, <clears throat> the sequence of images that you see, no matter if you've seen it for the first time or the 15th time, it's still 
brings you into the presence of that experience and you're able to enjoy it, I think, every time. And to me, that's the yeah. mark. That's the mark of aesthetic experience. That's the mark of a, of a fantastic video game is something that you can play again and again and again, a movie you can watch again and again and again, a book you can read over and over. And Akira has that. And, and, and it also has the uh, privilege of being sort of one of the most heralded and lauded movies uh, of animation of all time. And I think it, I think it deserves it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't replicate what you like. I couldn't say anything more than you have said. Like I, this is definitely an S ranking. I, I would say like, I don't feel it does break apart too much at the end. I feel it just leaves it open for you. Yeah. Kind of like, kind of like the best horror movies do of like when they never show the, yeah. the like the big bad of like, because you could you can never describe to somebody something as amazing as they will make up in their own head. Absolutely, I, and yeah. like, so like, yeah, you can never make a, a villain or a creature as as scary in somebody's as somebody has in their own mind. So like, that's why the the first Alien movie is one of the greatest ones. I use an example where they they don't show the alien until nearly the last two seconds of that movie yeah, on on the original cut, and it's so good. And that's the similar with this, like where you can go into deep thoughts of like alternate realities and stuff like that. Like like where he releases the bomb is just like this such a you could sit there and do an hour-long podcast of like how like the whole alternate realities and, and everybody timelines right. and all. And yeah, it's nearly like, it's like a Donnie Darko kind of yeah, thing totally. at the end of, yeah, where it's just like, everyone is right because it's your own mind of how, and it's not, it's like people kind of go, I don't want to make up my own mind, but it's like, it's not done in a way where it's like completely open of like, what happened? It's like, here's the plot, but like, you can kind of fill in the little tiny bits at the end. So like, I definitely would give this an S, like. God, watching it again, again tonight is such a privilege. Man, every time I just, as I said, like I found new little tiny things, like that door. I can't. That's. I know it's the smallest thing, but that door's poster yeah. above the goddamn recorder just blew my mind <laughs> tonight, I and I was just like, oh. All right. Thanks again, Chase. Yeah. Man, it's it, it's been great. Like I've wanted to get you on a podcast with me. I have to get, eventually get you onto some Foyangs one, Aussie, because like I I want to die. Like we've we've been educated and nice on here, and I want to get in the deep and yeah, dirties with you on on. Yeah, let's get in the mud. <laughs> uh, once again, where where can people find you? Where 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 can they hear from you? Where where can they see the stuff you make? Yeah, I mean, if you just follow me at Twitter at Bodacious Chase, you'll probably come into contact with basically everything that I do. Um, I've put articles up over at OKBeast.com, and I have a podcast called Witty Banter, and you can follow that at Witty Banter Show on Twitter, uh, and that goes up every week on Friday. So. That's pretty much everything for me. Uh, Nato, I want to say thank you again for having me. I've been looking forward to podcasting with you as well ever since finally getting to meeting you. And so hopefully this is the start of uh, many more. Nice. Yeah, look, I, I, I definitely want to put a double plug on your witty banter. If you double like plug. what I do over at over at 40 Yanks 1 Aussie, add, add intelligence to that <laughs> and, you, and, and you get 
witty banter. Like, I think it was like a week or two ago when you guys were talking about like um, Musk's like ideas of like n- not trying to stop AI anymore, but trying to bring humans to the level of once I- AI gets created, yeah. like we will be at least on equal terms with them. And God, that's that's that, that stuff is my fucking jam. Yeah, like, man. I fucking if love if you're that a futurist, shit. Then you'll probably enjoy witty banter as we talk about a lot of future. Oh, yeah, that's me. Yeah. Oh man. So like that whole episode. Like every time you guys bring something up like that to the table, I'm just like, I usually have to kind of like slip back to my office at at work yeah. and like sit there and pretend like I'm working <laughs> at my desk just so I can like a hundred percent listen to those kind of bits of the segment. Awesome. And on top of that, you guys are fucking hilarious. Wow, so you. sometimes so I go like go go works. watch witty banter, everyone. It's really great. And. You can always always give us any feedback at OKBeast okay now with a hashtag A plus anime. You can email Ian at OKBeast. Okay and of course, if you have a minute, go out. I said it last week and I'll say it again. Not just this, this podcast, not just Witty Banter. Any podcast you love, enjoy each week. Go and review those podcasts because it helps all of us. It's it. I know everyone says it, but go do it because like it really gets us out in front of other new people and yeah, then we can make better stuff for you. And also with this show, if more people see it, more people watch anime and then you have more people to talk about anime. Yeah. So go out and review your favorite shows. I've been NatoJ18. You can catch me at NatoJ18 everywhere. You can catch me at 4Yanks1Aussie, the cross-continental comedy podcast. And you can always catch me here talking about anime on A Plus Anime. I am NATO. This has been my great guest, Chase. Thank you for listening. Love each other and watch some anime. Bye. <laughs> so long, guys. Next time on A Plus Anime, NATO continues to be Australian, and Ian realizes he loves sports anime a little too much. What anime will they review next? Find out next time on A Plus Anime.